wants you dead. Serving another master? No. I have other plans. I offered you my hand once. You wanted to take it. Why didn't you? You could have killed me. Why didn't you? You can't hide, Ray. Not from me. I see through the cracks in your mask. You're haunted. You can't stop seeing what you did to your father. Do you still count the days since your parents left? Such pain in you. Such anger. I don't want to have to kill you. I'm going to find you, and I'm going to turn you to the dark side. When I offer you my hand again, you'll take it. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 444, looking back on the Rise of Skywalker. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, and with me, the Darth Vader and Darth Maul. To my Count Dooku, we've got Carl LeClaire and Katie Horn! (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I know who Maul is, but Uh, it's me. No. Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> okay, Lord Tyrannus. Does that, mean, does that mean I would have to be Dooku? I don't know. <laughs> don't worry, Katie. You're mall. You're mall, Katie. Ah, <laughs> uh, Katie. I'm so glad to have you back on a Wampus Lair episode. I we I had so much fun with you a couple months back talking Black Widow, but I'm excited to have you on to talk some Star Wars. Yes, getting back to my roots i guess <laughs> back to star wars um we're, we're very happy to have you back yeah and i'm thank I'm, you it's great to see you guys i'm yeah i'm really excited to have this conversation with you because i know it's something you've been thinking about a lot lately and uh right so many folks really just didn't find rise of skywalker to be all that we were hoping for and I know you've done a lot of really deep critical thinking and, and about the movie and, and so many aspects about it that were, you know, not not what they could have been. And I'm looking forward to just hearing, you know, how you've how you've come to understand the movie and process it and make sort of make sense of it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I know so many folks that listen have been so anxious to, to hear your thoughts on this because. You know, uh, we loved having you on the show for, uh, you know, over a year there as, as one of our regular hosts. I mean, uh, we miss you all the time. <laughs> and I know so many of the people that listen do, too. So Uh-oh. I'm excited to have you back, um, even if it is to have a bit of a critical eye towards this movie that just, you know, it it fell short. Um, so I just, yeah, really excited to have this conversation with you. Oh, me too. I'm looking forward to it a lot. (laughs) Like you said, I've just done a lot of journaling, a lot of 
thinking about why doesn't this work for me? How does it not add up? You know, something I don't want to be is a hater because that was something I so strongly dislike about, uh, you know, the prequel discourse a lot of the time. And just comes down to this is stupid and I hate it. Or mm-hmm. a lot of uh, the Last Jedi discourse came down to, well, this is stupid and I hate it. And that's just something I never wanted to do or be. And, and we, and, and I, yeah, I, I love that mentality of, oh, this wasn't for me. I'm really upset about it, but I'm not going to flood the fan community with that energy, you know? And it's not to say that you're not allowed to or that it it's not welcome there. But I also just. I think it's a nice reminder, Katie, and this is something I've, I just adore about you as a friend is you take the time to really process things, to really think them through and to make sense of them. Um, and I love that. Th- I love that you took the time to do that, you know, and it, it's not like you came around to like, OK, I'm all right. This movie's not that bad. It's like, no, it, I, it really doesn't work for me. And here's why. And I, and I just I'm excited to, to like listen to you unpack that. <laughs> um, so great. I, I appreciate you making the time to do it with us. Absolutely. I, I miss you guys too. You guys are great and I treasure your friendship so much. So yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's do get it. into it. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, although real quick, before we do that, Carl, we had a, a, a matchup that we have to get all the responses to. Uh, who did we pit against each other last, last episode? Yeah. In light of the book of Boba Fett trailer, we figured we'd do a, a battle of the fats and it was, it was pretty one-sided Jason, but of course we put Django against Boba and uh, what did the what did the folks have to say about this one? Oh, it was it was horribly one sided, and I, I can't blame them. Um, we have uh, fifty nine votes for Boba Fett, and only f- for his father Django uh, from our our listeners. So, can you say how, um, how many did J- that, how many did Django get again? I'm sorry, you broke up for a sec. Fifteen. Okay, one so five. One five to five nine. <laughs> Just not good. Just not good at all. <laughs> but I'm curious to say uh, to hear uh, what both of you guys think about it. Who who would you have picked in this matchup? No, <laughs> I okay. I swear I'm not just rooting for the underdog. I legit was going to root for Django because, like, even though I think he wouldn't want to kill his own son, he'd be like, eh, I could just make another one. <laughs> <laughs> So I think Django would win. <laughs> you know, I have two, I have two answers, Jason. I'm going to cheat. Uh, I say pre Sarlacc pit Boba Fett, Django wins. But post Sarlacc pit Boba Fett, Boba Fett. <laughs> so because he because he's seen some things because he's seen <laughs> some things. And in my head canon right now, until I'm either proven wrong or told that I'm wrong with Book of Boba Fett. I think that the Tuscans are the ones responsible for rescuing naked Boba outside of the Sarlacc pit <laughs> and bringing him into the tribe and I think they make him an even more vicious warrior. So that's my that's my current headcanon so I'm like okay, post Sarlacc pit, he's seen some things. He's been he's been um reared on some Tuscan uh fight choreography well i guess not choreography so yeah that that boba that version of boba wins but before he goes into the pit i give it to Django. what about you jason who takes the battle of the fets oh man i i went back and forth on this but uh i i decided ultimately uh to go with boba fett because uh it is the duty of the parent to pass on everything they know to their kid 
And while Django didn't have a long time to do that, and Boba was still a kid, I feel like Boba has ultimately um, outperformed his father. Granted, Boba's not, you know, the the face of the clone army, but he's also not each and every one of those clones either, and neither is Django, because we see their independentness, you know, in the Clone Wars. So I think I think it's going to be real tough. Mm-hmm. It could go either way, but ultimately, I think I'm going to come down with on Boba Fett, just which is weird for me to do. <laughs> it's very weird that. Yeah. Um, but that gives us a final tally there of 61 for Boba Fett and 16 for Django, which is a nice fun. <laughs> Perfectly <laughs> yeah. balanced as all things should be. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so we will have a uh, another Would You Rather at the end of the episode for you to vote on for next week. Um, but without further ado, Katie, we begin The Rise of Skywalker on a planet we all knew and love from episode three, Revenge of the Sith, good old Mustafar. Where where do we want to start here? My goodness. Well, let's just honestly, let's yada, yada, yada our way through Mustafar because Kylo Ren is only here to find a wayfinder, which takes him to Exegol and a big old Sith temple. And who's there? Who's waiting for him there? I believe. Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> right. I wish you could see my fingers. Like, <laughs> were, you, were you like wiggling them like yes. force fingers? Yes. Keep the yes, light- I was. Love Keep that. the lightning at bay, Jason. We don't need any more technical issues. Uh, right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Kylo Ren's like, I'm going to kill this guy because I'm Supreme Leader. And anything that threatens my... First order has to die. And Palpatine says, no, don't do that because I've been every single voice inside your head. And we see a jar of Snokes. And <laughs> it's at this point that I'm real tempted to pull over and talk about how stupid the jar of Snokes is. But like I said before, I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's not what we're here to do, right? <laughs> we're not here to just be like, this is dumb and I hate it. So we're just going to, we're going to yada, yada, yada. Uh, if I was Kylo Ren, I might be like, I'm going to kill you anyway, but he wants to see where this goes. And (laughs) Palpatine says, I'll give you all these ships, uh, being Supreme Leader is great, but what if you could be Emperor? I'll make you Emperor. All you have to do is kill the girl, meaning Rey, but be careful because she's not who you think she is. And we're going to smash cut to Ray training. And this is my first big talking point where I want to talk about Ray's training, a thing I hate. (laughs) Okay. I need to stop with the, I hate language. I said before, deep breath. That's not what I want to be. That's not what I want to do. I want to talk about why Ray training doesn't work for me. I felt like, she had kind of moved past that and she was ready to step into more of a leadership role, but no, she has to stop and train. And she has this line where she says to Leia, I will earn your brother's saber. And now that gives me real pause because the last time we saw Ray, uh, she was holding the two broken pieces of this lightsaber. And the question was, how does Ray 
rebuild the Jedi with nothing more than these two broken pieces. This seems like an impossible, daunting task. And I thought she was equal to that task. And, oh, she's going to do something to, you know, to rebuild the Jedi. I want to see how she does this. But with this line, I will earn your brother's saber, that question has now changed. The question is no longer how will Rey rebuild the Jedi in her image. The question is, will Rey become worthy of everything that lies behind her? Hmm. And I think these are very different things. And the second question, this new question, will Rey be worthy of this lightsaber? Does it really work for me? And what's interesting is that this is completely by design. Uh, Chris Terrio talked about how, you know, the question wasn't, you know, uh, the question wasn't, you know, what is the future going to mean for Ray? The question was, can she live up to the legends of the past? And here's a quote from him where he says, Ray and Finn and Poe have to live up to the greatest generation. The question of this film is, can this generation live up to the greatest generation? Can we do the heroic things that they did? Are we brave enough and strong enough? Do we have the metal that they had? And so right out of the gate, I am uncomfortable and I'm looking around and asking, did we even see the last Jedi? <laughs> did we even, uh, did we hear that message when Yoda says we are what they grow beyond? You know, the question is no longer how is Rey going to surpass her master, Luke Skywalker? The question is, can she be equal to Luke Skywalker? And now I'll take a breath and gather your thoughts. <laughs> I'll <nail> take comments. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I see where, where you're coming from. And I, you know, I, it's interesting. I, I've not read Chris Terrio's, you know, comments on, on this, um, but I, I feel like, especially particularly in this instance, that the movie plays it a bit more ambiguous because I never got that um, that feeling uh, because the look that Leia gives Ray, and I know it's you know Carrie Fisher from uh, Force Awakens days, but the look she kind of gives Ray there is one that looks like. You know, you don't need to earn this saber. It's yours. And it feels like Ray is just doubting herself. Um, so I, I, I've never yeah. actually thought about it the way that, that he put it out there. Um, so it's an interesting take, uh, from the writer, I guess, you know, take from the writer. <laughs> interesting. From the writer. Yeah. It's an yeah. interesting intent from the writer that I, I didn't pick up on really. Um, yeah. I, you know, the, I, the way I've kind of come to understand where Ray is at when we, when we meet her at the beginning of the movie. Right. And I, I, I for one, have talked about this before, but I, I really love the be with me mantra. I, I find it quite powerful. Um, Katie, I'm sure you have thoughts, uh, on that as well. Um, but what I find interesting about where we find Ray is, and it is, I, I think it is a bit of a disconnect from the somewhat confident person we get that closes the Falcon doors on Kylo at the end mm -hmm. of last Jedi. But, you know, when she is sitting there with Leia, how do we, you know, how do we rebuild this? We have, with so little, um, I feel like when this movie opens in a weird way, Ray, Ray goes off to, uh, goes off to 
who she hopes to be Ben, you know, in Last Jedi. And he's not Ben. He's he's you know, he's beholden to being Kylo. And I, I almost see it as like the this story opens with her. She's still she's kind of reverted to this level of doubt because she wasn't she was wrong. She was wrong about Ben in that moment. And this is her feeling almost guilty um, that she was wrong about it. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of how I've come to understand it, but Katie, I really, I mean, (laughs) I think your point is super, super valid and like it does, it kind of just seems to roll things back. Right. Yeah. I mean, you use the word regression and that's not where I wanted Ray to be, which mm -hmm. I guess that kind of summarizes my whole feelings for this movie. If you just had to distill my complaints into one sentence, it would be, it wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. And is that selfish? Perhaps, but here we are. So yes, I I agree. Ray has always been worthy of this saber. And I kind of thought that when she took it from Kylo Ren, not once, but twice at the end of the force awakens and the end of the last Jedi, she would now be in a place where she's like, yes, I, this is my saber. Now, what am I going to choose to do with it? Mm. You know, she's done looking backwards. She's done, you know, looking for Luke to solve this problem, done looking for Ben to come and solve this problem. She's going to solve this problem. Yeah. But now she's in a place where she doubts herself and doesn't think she can do it. Yeah. But let's it, move on. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the emperor's back. Oh, no. <laughs> and we have to stop him. That, that is our new goal. We're not even talking about Kylo Ren anymore. The goal is let's stop the emperor. And to stop the emperor, well, Luke was already working on a way to stop the emperor, actually. And his trail went cold on Pisana. So let's pick up where Luke left off. <laughs> let's go to Pisana. Here we are. But Rose can't come. And I'm sorry, real quick, we have to pull over and say, and just point out the injustice that Rose can't come. It's, she's written out of the movie, full stop. And, you know, J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio can make all the excuses they want about how, no, we loved working with her. The fact is, is that they don't address her feelings for Finn. They just pretend like the kiss that she and Finn shared never happened. Just They just stop talking about Rose. This major character from the last movie, she gets to stay behind to do homework, and that's wrong. I, I'm, I am comfortable saying that I hate it. I hate it. I, I dislike it, too. Like I believe that is the biggest missed... One of the biggest missed opportunities for me in the movie is the fact that, that Rose was effectively sidelined. So um, I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say, I know where she should have gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie that they wrote um, and, and, and made, but uh, I do think that, that she should have been utilized much more. Mm-hmm. than she, So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I don't, okay. I, get much argument from us here (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 we all love rose here but for but we have claude now claude is doing rose's job (laughs) so we're off to pasana and we have the festival of the ancestors and we're looking for a wayfinder 
but we just kind of get swept up in this festival for a little while. And Ray looks around and she sees the children. And now for me, when I see Ray and me assuming that she is a grown woman looking to the future, I see someone who is thinking about the future and thinking, if not about her own children, her, her own literal children, if she's not thinking about that, then she's thinking about the children that she will train and pass on all that she's learned. You know, I think she's thinking about the future. Chris Terrio has said that she's thinking about the past. She's thinking about her own childhood. Uh, okay. But a little girl comes up to Ray and wants to know her name. And Ray has this line where she says, I don't have a family name. I'm just Ray. And I think it's clear in this moment that being just Ray is still her trauma. This is what Ray has to work through in order to come out of this trilogy a full and complete person. There's an orphan inside of her that needs to be loved and accepted. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I. And I think that's what she needed to do was to embrace this inner orphan. Does that necessarily mean finding a new family? I don't know. You can argue that. But I always thought that Ray's journey wasn't necessarily to find a new family. It was to to start to let people in. She was alone on Jakku. And, you know, she could have left at any moment, but she chose to stay behind because she felt so unlovable. My parents left me behind. I am this orphan that nobody wants. And that how do you heal that isn't necessarily to find people that want you and get that external validation, but to realize in herself that she is lovable and to love herself and to love her inner orphan and to just be Ray. At this point in the movie, I think I thought that's what we're driving for. We'll see later in the movie that that's not necessarily the case. I just like that in this moment, she's like, I'm just Ray. And I'm like, good, just be Ray. That's all you need to be. Hmm. Any comments? <laughs> I, I think I'm going to save my comments on this theme for right. later. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, in the story, right, It's it, this is there to set up everything we're building to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't have a name. I'm just Ray. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a lot more sympathetic to this story trope. I know Katie. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't bother me. Uh, but I, I do like, I, but I really love how you're, um, offering up the, the there is the problem here because if she needs to be validated externally, that's a problem. Um, and I think that's right. so true. And I think that's why Rain Nobody is such an important uh, character trope that is obviously <laughs> taken out from from this movie. And I know we'll mm-hmm. get to that shortly. But yeah, I mean, I appreciate it that it is setting up to – I mean, so I mean, I'll, I'll own it right now. I love when she says Ray Skywalker at the end of the movie. I love it so much. And I'll, I'll share more about that later. Um, and I, I know I've talked about it before. So to me, it's like, all right, it's setting that up. Uh, I, I, I hate – kind of everything in between. <laughs> um, like it's, it's a real silly mess. Um, but I get it. It's like, she still is 
looking for what does she belong to? Who are my people? Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I see it. And, and, and I like that. I, I, I really resonated with that theme of, you know, who are the people you're going to identify with? Um, the way they play it out in this movie gets gets silly. Um, so why don't we keep going towards that? <laughs> sure. I, uh, this is another part where I'm just going to yada, 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 30% of the film. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right, follow me with this because I've gone over this movie a bunch of times and I'm pretty sure this is what J.J. Abrams wanted us. This is the logic he wanted us to follow. Okay, so Luke's journal led us to Pasana, which led us to Lando, who leads us to Ochi's ship, who leads us to the sinking fields, which leads us to a corpse with a knife in it. That knife needs a translation. So we go to Kijimi to get the translation and once we have the translation, we now know the location of the Wayfinder, which will lead us to Palpatine. <laughs> so. It, yeah, the movie yeah, is just one it, big MacGuffin after another. And, uh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, I'm not it, here for it. It's a, it's, a, it's a quest trope, you know, is what mm-hmm. it is. Well, um, it would, you know, but it's a lot, too. So, it's a lot. I and it baffles me that the movie chose to spend its runtime this way. I I don't get it. And that's it's as simple as that. I don't get it. The choices here. Okay. So we have the location of the Wayfinder now, which will lead us to Palpatine. But Ray senses, oh, and by the way, in the middle of this, Chewie was killed, but not really. He was just <laughs> captured. Just don't ask questions. <laughs> We're moving on. Chewie was killed, but not really. He's on Kylo Ren's ship. Okay, so we're putting the Wayfinder thing on hold. We're going to go rescue Chewie. As you guys you- coming? <laughs> Another side adventure. Yep, here we go. All right, we're on Kylo Ren's ship to rescue Chewie. The party splits in two. <laughs> Poe and Finn go off to rescue Chewie, and Ray goes off to get the knife. I don't remember how they got separated from the knife. It doesn't matter. Let's just keep going. <laughs> okay. So while Poe and Finn are rescuing Chewie, they find out that Hux is a spy for the resistance. And I just want to pull over again to say that Hux deserved better. <laughs> because, okay. So actually when Hux says, I'm the spy, that was the only moment in this whole movie where I actually felt joy. <laughs> well because in my brain the first time i'm watching this not knowing what's going to happen i'm like this has consequences if he's the spy then he's on the good guys team now he is actively helping the good guys and hux is on this adventure with us and i was so here for it i was so ready to see this weird i don't know team up between hux and the good guys (laughs) i don't know i was so ready but then he stays behind for some reason. And I'm like, Hux, you outed yourself as a spy. This is not going to end well. And it ends exactly the way you think it does when he chooses to stay behind. He gets shot immediately. And new Tarkin is our bad guy. I don't remember his name. Pride? Pride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Pride is our new bad guy because Fans couldn't take Huck seriously, I guess, as a bad guy. So here's a new guy that looks like Tarkin. Can you take him seriously? Sure, why not? Huck's deserved better. Thoughts? 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that's the whole podcast is me ranting and then pausing for you guys. <laughs> well, it's, I'm so it's, sorry. No, it's interesting. You, I it just just to the point of you know, kind of the the just really hopscotch of a plot. Um, I, I've been slowly reading um, in the evenings this book called The Secrets of Star Wars. It's just like a, 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 a slam together uh, quotes from filmmakers, critics and stuff over all the years with every single movie. And I had finished the chapter on Return of the Jedi last week. And a lot of the critiques of Return of the Jedi from the writing room floor from from some of the folks, uh, you know, like Lawrence Kasdan and um, oh, my gosh, uh, I'm trying to remember the other uh, editor. Um, doesn't matter, whatever. But they, you know, they say kind of the biggest critique of Return of the Jedi is that you have all these really big emotional stakes between Luke and Vader, between Luke and Leia, and Han and Leia, and yet we go on this side adventure in, on Endor for like 35, 40 minutes. And then we get like all these slammed together kind of emotional moments. But they talk about how, you know, there was there were higher stakes, I guess, in earlier drafts of this movie. And they just kind of, you know, they just turn it into like another adventure film, like A New Hope. Um, You know, I mean, I love Return of the Jedi and I never really saw it that way. Um, It doesn't make me love it any less, but it does make me think like, oh, maybe this could have been even better, you know, Um, and it just feels like that with episode nine here in this middle section from basically Pasana to rescuing Chewie. It's it's just like these adventure of the week serials. And I and I know that that's obviously what JJ's trying to ape is that (laughs) that early feeling of Star Wars. Um, I I will say the shot of them all peeking out from behind those little uh, embankments on the Star Destroyer as the stormtroopers are walking by. I was like, okay, this is a fun little adventure moment. Um, But it also like it just eats up time when there's all these other emotional stakes. Like you're saying, Katie, which a big one is, oh, Hux is the spy. Cool. Like, let's develop that. Let's look at it. No, let's not. <laughs> you know, uh, let's just shoot him in the stomach. Yeah, uh, he deserve he deserved to become like Tarkin. You know, everything that Pride does, Hux could have done. Just cut the spy nonsense, and, and just, you know, he deserved to just be that role, even if it ends with him dying anyway. The way that he dies matters. I loved Hux. And wanted to see him go out in a big explosion, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Just fair. That's fair. Um, especially when it's one of the characters that you you've thoroughly enjoyed. I've enjoyed Hux through the whole uh, uh, saga. Um, it, it was a little. Here's the thing. After The Last Jedi, I expected him to do something to move against Kylo in some way. Hey. I ex- expected him to do something i expected him to have something up against his sleeve or something up his sleeve something to to try and take down kylo uh in some way shape or form i expected that i did not expect him to just like shove a bunch of plans under the door in the resistance's direction you know um you know and it, it was kind of a fun uh goofy interaction between him, Poe, and Finn. And I think if they had just taken him, that could have presented some really interesting and fun moments. You're right. Oh. It would have. Um, but when you decide to just shove a bunch of plans under the door to your, towards your enemy, there's consequences for that. And, and pride is, has no, apparently has no patience for trials. Yeah, so I, you, yeah no, bye. I um, would have, I would have pick, picked one of those. Pick, 
Hux becomes a spy and goes off to the resistance. And then we get 20 glorious minutes of Poe raking him across the coals because, you know, yeah, you're working for us now, but good God, we're going to drag you. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or you cut him being a spy entirely and just let him take the Tarkin role. I just, uh, we can't, we can't spend all of our time on Hux. I'm sorry. I just feel like he deserved better. (laughs) So you're, you're going to go ahead and go back to, to General Hugs, give him a hug, and, yeah, yeah. And, some <laughs> and say, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> hug okay. him like he never was. Um. <laughs> All right, so let's just roll right into our Ray Palpatine reveal, because I suppose we must. Uh, and Okay. So this reveal has has several parts. It's just an onion of awful. The first time <laughs> I, I was watching this in theaters, it just kept getting worse and worse for Katie. <laughs> Where it's like, okay, step one, your parents are nobody, sure, but only because they chose to be. They sold you to protect you. The worst line in the whole movie. They sold you to protect you. Okay, put a pin in that. Ray's like, why then? Why did the Emperor want me explain this? And Kylo Ren says, because he saw what you would become. You don't just have power. You have his power. Which, okay, forget what I said before. That's the worst line in the whole movie. (laughs) You're his granddaughter. You're a Palpatine. Here we are. (laughs) I, okay, let's start with they sold you to protect you. Because, again, I feel like J.J. Abrams is trying to have his cake and eat it too, where he's like, okay, this this reveal that Ray's parents sold her to protect her, they were really good people, actually, and they loved her a lot, this might not contradict Ray nobody factually but this does contradict ray nobody spiritually ryan johnson was trying to make a statement about how nobody wanted ray and nobody thought that she would ever be anything she was only ever worth the dollar amount that her parents got to buy alcohol Mm. or water depending on your interpretation of what drinking money meant so you know she but and yet she rose out of nothing you know, she rose out of that trauma to take her own place in this story. When we change that, when we twist it and say, actually, no, your parents super loved you and selling you was the best thing they could have done. That was the ultimate act of cut the legs out from underneath that story. You are now saying that the trauma Ray has gone through and, you know, that journey to love herself and find that internal validation. It's like, no, no, no. You were always lovable. You know, look how much your parents loved you. This was a good thing actually. And you need to be grateful that they did this for you. And that just doesn't work for me, fam. I I don't like it. I, I don't agree when J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio say that, no, actually, this doesn't contradict The Last Jedi, because I feel like it is a huge contradiction. Maybe not factually, 
<laughs> maybe this adds up on Wikipedia, but it doesn't add up in my heart. It doesn't add up thematically. Mm. And then we have Ray Palpatine. <laughs> All of this is happening actually because because you're Palpatine's granddaughter. You're powerful because you're a Palpatine. This power that we that belongs to you actually no. It belonged to him first. And I don't like it. And I need to take a deep breath. So give me, give me some thoughts. I need to sit. <laughs> I need to breathe. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah, Ray Palpatine is... It, it, it's the biggest choice they made in this movie that I think was the worst choice. Um, I mean, uh, for all the things you said... Uh, th- and I mean, I, I remember I, I was such a spoiler hunter for this movie. So I read the like plot summary a few months before the movie came out. And it's so funny because apparently JJ is supposedly all about secrecy, but I read the entire plot summary of Force Awakens like four months in advance and this one almost three months in advance. But last Jedi, I couldn't find anything. Um, <laughs> but uh, all that to say, I remember when I read that, I was like, oh, my God. She's a Palpatine. That is so stupid. And when it was building to that moment in the movie, I'm like, oh, God, don't say it. Don't say it. And then he said it. I mean, (laughs) at the first screening, I just yelled, welcome to a fan film. Um, (laughs) Yes. And like, so. Oh, my gosh. Nate next to me laughed out loud. He laughed. So, oh, my God. Anyway. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I I don't like it. I don't like that they did it. Um, And I like, you know, what you're saying is so true, Katie, it, it, that line of, you know, you don't just have power, you have his power. It takes away all of her agency and in, in so many bad ways. Um, and I think so, like the way again, like, uh, <laughs> you know, this story, uh, like the way I've just come to make sense of this is, all right, this is JJ and Chris Terrio, like trying to swing for the fences here, like trying to do this like big epic you know, as they say this in the, um, you know, the making of documentary on the movie that they when they first came into it, they, you know, they always saw this as the uh, the saga of the Skywalkers and the Palpatines, which is like no one ever saw that until you two, um, uh, you know. But I will say just to push back, nobody saw Luke Skywalker where he was in episode eight until Ryan Johnson. So, like, that's not to in and of its safe self say it's like that, that it's therefore awful um i i mean i think ryan was trying to do something very adult whereas jj and chris were trying to play with their um you know like their their legends canon action figures again um and there's you know i mean i think there's some there's some silliness to it and campiness that is always in star wars um but yeah it's super it's like it's it's it creates the wrong family drama is the way i see it you know, um, this is always meant to be the, the drama of the Skywalkers. Um, Palpatine should have been out of the picture, but yet he's back. And um, and also, right, like him, her being his granddaughter, my first thought was, how, so Palpatine's out there doing the dude, doing the dude, okay, right? Right. Because like, sure. like, obviously, <laughs> I, right. Like, I, have, the, thoughts. I have thoughts about and, that part. of. This I mean, part. In the, <laughs> right. Well, in the novel, right. We're told that like, you know, it's, it was his clone that she's, you know, she's that shouldn't matter. Exactly. If it's not in the film, it doesn't matter. Exactly. I'm sorry. That's how I feel. Yeah, no. And that's I'm, totally fair. Right. Like that. If, if all you do is watch the movie, it's like, okay, at one point, Sheev Palpatine had sex 
with somebody and I'm sure mm-hmm. it wasn't, you wouldn't imagine it was a loving relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Ray is somehow a product of that. Um, you know, so all that to say, like, I don't like that. She's a Palpatine. I don't think that that needed to be in there. Um, but since they do it, I think, you know, again, like I, th- I feel like what they're swinging for, um, and I'm obviously a lot more sympathetic to this point than, than a lot of other folks. Um, and it's not to say that I'm right. Uh, but the fact that they do make that swing, I feel like what they're trying to then say at the end of the movie by her taking the name Skywalker is that, you know, you can, you can come from the worst place imaginable, um, and choose something totally different. Um, you know, so I feel like that's what they were going for, but it doesn't mean that they got there. I don't think that should have been Ray's story. The idea Mm. that, yeah, you can come from the worst possible thing and be a good person is a story that we already told with Luke Skywalker Mm. and Ray's story as a new buddy, a new buddy was (laughs) something new. And it honestly, for me, that was the balm that, you know, this, this story heavy with legacy, you know, our, Kylo Ren is weighed down by legacy. He doesn't know how to define himself. You know, how can, what is, he doesn't know who Ben Solo is because he's just weighed down by this legacy. And then Ray coming in and being his equal coming from nothing. That was just such poetry to me. And it spoke to me and I could, appreciate and see where it was going and what it was doing. But for them to three quarters of the way through this trilogy, be like, actually, that's not the story we're telling. We're telling a story about a girl who comes from the worst family ever. Apparently, I guess all the Palpatines were just terrible, except for Ray's parents. (laughs) You know, you, you come from the worst family ever and you can still choose to be good. That, you buried the lead too deeply. <laughs> yeah, I, I, here's here's my thoughts, and I, I'm not going to go too much into the the aspect of it, um, of how it pertains to Ray, because we we've talked about that. Um, I was okay with Palpatine coming back in some way in this movie. That that is okay for me. Um, it, it's a nice little you know button on the end of a of a saga that started with him being the Phantom Menace, you know, that sort of thing. I, I was okay with that. When we decided to go ahead and make him raise granddaddy, I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're telling me the man who devoted his entire life to acquiring and manipulating power <laughs> from his own singular armchair took time to create an heir. Mm. It it doesn't. Not only is it is it is it undercutting. I think the the um, importance of of a Ray Nobody because I I I preferred the Ray Nobody story, Um, even if she be you know decides to to become a Skywalker at the end. I like that transition better. But the Ray Palpatine thing definitely seemed forced and shoehorned in at the last minute to me. It, I mean, because it I was, it was, in fact, <laughs> and and because it doesn't make sense for anybody involved in that process of her being part of that family, 
Yeah. It doesn't make sense for her in terms of the character story arc that they had already established. And it does not make sense for Palpatine and the way that he operated um, and the fact that he was power hungry to the point where everyone was excluded from his circle except for people that he could trust and people that he had dirt on oh. um, mm. and people that he could control. People yeah. that that could not get anything on him. If he were to have had a mistress, which is where that <laughs> had oh. to have happened, that's something that someone could use against him. And he yeah. is not going to let somebody have that kind of power against him, hold something like that over him. Yeah. So it that it does not make sense from a character point on his side either. So I, it is the choice that when I go back and watch The Rise of Skywalker, I kind of just skip over. Yeah. Mm. I, well, I, I and, want to... Oh, sorry. Well, just real quick, I want to just, again, I, I, I want to just, like, call attention back to your... your your little Freudian slip almost of Ray Newbody. Newbody. Because, uh, well, I, and, and I think this is, this is again, one of those scenes. And I, I, I've never had such an exasperated um, outcry of displeasure in a Star Wars movie as I did in this moment. You know, as, as much as I struggled with Last Jedi the first several times I watched it, I never felt like this. Like, it was this moment where I was like, okay. So they're just going to adapt the Dark Empire comic now, which is, again, like, it's a really fun comic from 1991, but it is not good new Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think this, is, this was that moment in the movie, too, where it's like, all right, we're just redoing the original trilogy, right? Like, because everything yeah. that was new that was introduced in 8, I mean, Force Awakens to me is, I mean, is the, <laughs> which is why Force Awakens is my least favorite Star Wars movie, is, is it's anchored in the old Right. But then mm-hmm. Ryan dared to be bold and, and open all these new boxes. And then we just played it safe with this. And and this is the mm-hmm. moment that that first really kicks kicks that off. So like for me, I mean, I do like this movie. I have fun with it. And it's because I'm able to just be like, all right, these things don't work, but I'm going to still have fun with these particular par- parts of the movie. But this is why, like starting here, this is why the sequel trilogy to me will forever be an asterisk on the Star Wars saga. And I don't I don't mean that to sound so like aggressively like dismissive, but the sequel trilogy, yeah, it's fun. They're fun movies. Um, but because of what episode nine did, it's like it's just a retelling of the original trilogy. And that's why for me, it's 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 like a it's a trilogy that was like, okay, cool. Like, if you want to be reminded of everything you already learned in episodes four through six, here it is again. <laughs> and and it, and it feels that way a yeah. lot is just stuffed into this movie again, right? Exactly. Like, that's this, that's this is what his, Chris Terrio and J.J. Abrams were going for. They yeah. said, you know, our new characters now have to live up to the old characters. They are going to retread the same ground and try to recapture the glory of the past. Because Luke Skywalker has climbed the tallest mountain that's as good as we're ever going to get is Luke Skywalker. So can Ray reach those same heights? Can she be as good as Luke Skywalker? Everything you just said, Carl was by design. Mm-hmm. That's the ethos that they went into this movie with is that Ray will never surpass Luke Skywalker. The most she can ever hope for is to be as good as him. Right. 
Well, you know, there it's, is. Yeah. It's a good thing um, Luke Skywalker was never as powerful as the Chosen One. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that's. All right. We, we got to yeah, move on we'll from Ray Palpatine yeah. or we'll be here all day. Yeah. Uh, there was one more reveal from Kylo Ren in that scene of that onion. <laughs> and that's that he and Ray are a dyad. And we're going to put a little pin in that. Let's just pin it right up to the wall. We'll come back to the dyad. Okay. I promise. <laughs> I know I know you guys are like, oh, let's get to the dyad talk, right? That's, that's what you're here for. Okay, okay, let's let's yada 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 over more film. Right. We've rescued Chewie. We have the Sith Wayfinder. And, oh no, 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 we don't want to have the Sith Wayfinder. We have the location of the Wayfinder. And the Wayfinder is in some Death Star ruins. And Ray goes there and she's gonna split from the party. Again, let's just yada 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 over it ray is now in the death star ruins alone looking for this wayfinder she has a vision of herself as this quite frankly glorious sith lady with a double bladed lightsaber and shark teeth like that goals that's all i want i just want to wrap myself in a cocoon and emerge as as that vision of ray honestly (laughs) and she says don't be afraid of who you are and I don't want to get mired down in this. I just think that's interesting that we have thrown out Ray's inner orphan. Ray's inner orphan is no longer her trauma. That's no longer what she needs to embrace, you know, shed her fear of all this stuff. Now it's her inner Palpatine, I suppose. And her inner Palpatine is saying, don't be afraid of who you are. And usually in a story, yes. It's it's Elsa, you know, from Frozen. You know, this was is like Elsa seeing the the you know her inner Snow Queen, and the Snow Queen saying, "Stop being afraid of who you are. Stop fighting this." You know, I, I think if they were going to show Sith Ray and have her be all like, "Don't be afraid of who you are," then there should have been some sort of reconciliation between Ray and her dark side self, and that never happens. Spoiler alert. Okay, that was a weird cul-de-sac. Let's move on. Ben Solo shows up. No, it's not Ben Solo. It's Kylo Ren shows up, and he takes the Sith Wayfinder, and he crushes it. And he's like, now the only way you can get to Palpatine is with me. But she doesn't want that. Like, they have the same goal. They both want to kill Palpatine. But Rey will be damned if she does it with Kylo Ren. So they have a big fight. And I gotta say, I actually quite like the fight. I even like that Ray kills him. I know, hot take. But I I think that that is the only way where this could have ended was, you know, the, the two of them, they're not talking. They're not coming to any sort of agreement. They're not doing anything productive. They're just fighting all of the time. So what is the inevitable end of this fight? It's one or both of them is dead. And so I actually think it's really strong that Ray kills him and realizes that's not what I want. If we keep fighting, he's going to be dead. And I don't want that. I don't want to be a killer. I don't want him to be dead. And I think it's interesting for Kylo Ren to realize this is where this path leads. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. If I keep going this way, I'm going to die. And that's not what he wants either. And so I think that in and of itself is actually very strong. 
but because J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio can't leave well enough alone, they have to spackle on this extra layer of Leia. And that's where it starts to fall off for me. Because, okay, let's talk about how this happens. Leia senses the two of them fighting. And Maz Kanata says, Leia knows what must be done. To reach her son will take all of the strength that she has left. And Kylo and Rey are fighting. Kylo actually gets the upper hand and is about to make the killing blow. But then he hears Leia say his name and he turns towards his, her voice and he drops his lightsaber. He's now defenseless. Rey takes up Kylo Ren's lightsaber and kills him with it. Leia dies. Rey senses Leia's death. And I guess for whatever reason, this makes her go, oh my gosh, no, I don't want to be a murderer. And she heals Ben. This is a lot for me. It's a lot because it's then later revealed. This is something Luke says. Luke says that Leia sensed the death of her son at the end of her Jedi path. She surrendered her saber to me and said it would be picked up again by someone who would finish her journey. Okay. All right. Again, this is just a lot. So you're telling me that Leia's struggle through all of these three movies has been, she doesn't want her son to die and she's been trying to save him or she has been refusing to become a Jedi because she knows that her son will die. So when she enters this fight between Rey and Kylo Ren, she knows that her son's going to die. And she's okay with that, actually, because she chooses Rey. She chooses the good kid. That's hard for me, fam. That's really hard for me to accept because when a child walks away from abusive parents or whatever and says, I'm going to do something new, that's one thing. When a parent gives up on a child, that is something else entirely. And I don't like it. I don't like it. Wow. Yeah. I, I never saw this as Leia giving up on, on Ben. At all, actually, <laughs> I always, I don't but know. She saw the death of her son and she's been fighting against it. Like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I always interpreted that line as that's why she walks away from training to be a Jedi is because she saw if I continue training as a Jedi, somehow that will lead to the death of my son. So therefore I will walk away from it. I almost felt like that was again, um, and maybe I'm being too generous here, but I felt like that was JJ and Chris Terrio's try at saying like, Oh, well yeah, Luke walked away in episode eight because he saw if I stay in this fight, if I stay in this cycle, if I continue the Jedi, it's just going to keep leading to death destruction and the cycle will never end. So I'm going to remove myself. From See, it, right? For me, so, um, I think it's meant to echo Anakin having a vision of Padme's death. But maybe it's too mm. bold of me to assume that J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio have seen the prequels because I don't <laughs> think they have. Yeah. I thought my interpretation is that this echoes Anakin having a vision of Padme's death and then everything he does to try to prevent it. Leia saw her son's death. And even though he goes over to the bad team, she can't bring herself to let him die. You know, he he's always good. It's just the foregone conclusion that Leia has to sacrifice her son. Leia, Leia, you guys, Leia, who has lost her planet, her husband, her brother, Leia, who has lost so much. We have to ask this of her too. She has to. 
let her son die and, you know, just give up her attachments because that's what a Jedi does. Jedi give up their attachments. And so Ray, so Leia enters this fight to save Ray from her bad son. Hmm. And, and here we are. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and he dies. I mean, she, that's what she knew was going to happen. He gets stabbed. He dies. <laughs> Yeah, I oh, I just I never saw it that way. I I always I I don't know why this is the moment she chooses to intervene, but I think she's genuinely reaching out to Ben in that moment. Um and and Ray she, then, f- for whatever reason. She could have done that at any time. If if she's like <laughs> if she could reach out to him and turn him on a dime, then she could have done that at any time. For me, but, uh, you, you have to imply that there's a reason she hasn't done that. And the you, reason is because she knows it'll kill him. No, you, you couldn't do that at any time, though. That's the thing is, is uh-huh. Ben has been so uh, set, so set on the fact that he has taken this path and that he cannot deviate from it. He has been saying that since the beginning of the, the trilogy, you know, I, I have made my choice. I cannot go back on that. All, you know, all this. I, I am who I am now. And I cannot be redeemed. And um, and what this always the scene always reminded me of, and, and I don't know why it's this specific time, because well, probably because uh, this is the the vulnerable vulnerable point between Kylo Ben and Ray. In the in the middle of a fight, he's at his most vulnerable and I, and open to change. Emotionally, this is where the two of them are, I don't know, are, are, what's the word I'm looking for, are closest. Because she's in turmoil about everything going on. He's in turmoil um, about everything that he's done and everything going on. Um, But... the And it's not specifically the win that's happening, the, the, the fact... Having a fight, but I feel like uh, the the moment that Leia reaches out is to me hearkening back to um, what Luke told her uh, at the end of Last Jedi is that no one has ever truly gone. He's giving Leia hope again about Ben because she about gives up on him at the end of Last Jedi. So look. Uh, it you doesn't know. work for me. I, it doesn't. Not with this extra layer of she's going to enter this fight. And she always knew her son would die at the end of her path. And that her lightsaber would be picked up by someone who will complete her path. She, you know, there's just a lot of death flags being pointed at Ben Solo. And Leia just kind of accepts it at the end. Because, again, this idea that, like, you know, for her to become a Jedi, she has to surrender her attachments. <laughs> just It just doesn't work. I just... Doesn't work for me. Yeah. And that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, I just... I, right, yeah. I never saw it that way. And, and you know, I mean, if, if that's... Yeah, I mean, if that's, that's, <laughs> that's what the filmmakers are trying to say, that's all sorts of effed. Um, yeah, and, it's not uh, great. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I just, I always understood the, like I said, like I always understood that line as them trying to ape, like trying to make Leia do what Luke did, 
but before mm-hmm. Luke even did it, right? Like she chose to not continue as a Jedi in that path because she didn't want her son to die. Um, so I, I never saw those two moments connected in, in that way, Katie. So like, I just, that totally yeah. f- f- flies in the face of anything I ever saw it as. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean that, yeah, but, if, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, I, we got to move on or, you know, there's a couple more things I want to get through. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to yada, yada, yada over Ray going to talk to Luke and him being like, you, you know, what are you afraid of? And she says, myself. Again, this interesting idea where the thing she is most afraid of now isn't that she's unlovable and you know was left on Jakku because nobody wanted her. Her new fear is that she is this awful, evil, dark side person with shark teeth. And Luke says, okay, but you got to confront that because you're a Palpatine. So you got you to gotta go deal with it. And... So without any real plan, Ray goes off to Exegol. <laughs> uh, again, she's like, I'm not going to kill him because that would make me bad. So I guess I don't know what her plan is. She just, she's just, we're all going to Exegol. All roads lead to Exegol. <laughs> Meanwhile, Poe and Finn rally the troops for a really big space battle because we're just, <laughs> that's where all Star Wars movies <laughs> end is with a really big space battle. And this is also where I start to get just really sad and depressed because I feel like we're caught in a cycle and Star Wars is never going to break free of it where you blow them up today, they blow you up tomorrow. It's just business. And I wanted more. I wanted more than this big space battle where the good guys jump in their X-wings and blow up the bad guys. Especially because in the two movies previous, I thought that we were laying the groundwork for a stormtrooper rebellion mm-hmm. by showing us Finn and how he grew up with these stormtroopers and these stormtroopers are his brothers and his sisters. And then we even, we introduced Jana in this movie and Jana talks about how when she was given her chance, uh, her whole company laid down their weapons. It wasn't even a decision. She says, she says it was a feeling and, and, and Finn comes in and goes, yeah, that, that instinct, it was the force. And to me, this says that if you had, if we had given the stormtroopers a chance, then they would have laid down their weapons. And then, you know, Hux, new Tarkin, what do they do? They can't fight if they don't have an army. Mm. You know, that for me was the more hopeful message. But no, instead we get jumping in an X-Wing and blowing something up. Well, to to be fair, mm-hmm. on that point, the army that they are facing is no longer the first army stormtroopers. It's the oh, right. Sith, yeah, the it's, Sith it's the Sith fleet. Where again, like, well, okay, it's the it's Sith troopers. Yeah. Well, okay. In the context of the movie, you just see red stormtroopers. If right. you add on the extra layer that comes from the visual dictionary, which is like, yeah, these are Sith people who were born here and raised with Sith ideals. So it's okay to kill them. Are you kidding me? They never had a choice. They're just like Finn. They were born and raised to think like Sith and that's not their fault. Like, uh, I don't like it. Okay. So Let's talk about how 
you know what? Let's take that dyad pin off the shelf, okay? Let's talk about what it takes, what it means to be two that are one. Because Chris Terrio has talked about specifically how he and JJ wanted to introduce the idea of a dyad, a Campbellian dyad. He specifically invokes a Campbellian dyad, and he wanted to introduce that into this movie. And that's very interesting to me because Joseph Campbell talks about a dyad exactly once. And it's about marriage. And I'm going to read you guys a quote, um, the, the dyad quote from Joseph Campbell. And um, honestly, I'm paraphrasing him a little bit because Joseph Campbell, his lectures are very dense and he can be hard to understand. So this is Joseph Campbell as interpreted by Katie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So Joseph Campbell says, it's an extremely important thing, that of marriage, because it requires a total yielding to becoming a member of a dyad and acting in relation to that two-ness. To people who are worried about sacrificing themselves to another person, I say that is not what you're sacrificing yourself to. You are sacrificing yourself to the relationship. The relationship is the sacrificial field where both of you form the relationship and you become two together. What does that sound like? What have we seen? Where have we seen that before in Star Wars? The sacrificial field where many voices come together and talk about the problem, agree what's in the best interest of everyone, and then do it. Mm. The Senate. Mm-hmm. We, George Lucas went out of his way to show that the Republic was split in two, that it became a dark side and a light side. It became an empire and a rebellion. And for me, the way we heal that is not by blowing up the empire because the empire is us. It is part of our Republic. We needed to heal, to give those stormtroopers a chance to lay down their weapons to bring them back into the fold, to become a marriage. You know, let's not even use the word marriage because I think a lot of people, when you hear marriage, you think something romantic and you're like, I don't want to marry a stormtrooper. I don't want to marry Kylo Ren. Let's use the word union. (laughs) Let's use the word union. We needed to unite and come together. We needed to, in Padme's words, Stop the fighting and allow diplomacy to resume. A dyad is diplomacy. When you're independent and you make things the way you want them, that's a dictatorship. You know, the rebellion, it, if we only have a rebellion at the end, that's a dictatorship. We need to hear everybody's voices and do what's best for everyone. That's what I wanted. Mm. That's what I wanted. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember, uh, I remember you made the point right when, you know, before this movie came out, we were doing, you know, a, a monthly relook at the all, you know, previous eight saga films. And, you know, time and time again, Katie, you would bring up how, right, the, the cycle is, it just, it continues, it continues. And, and you are always bringing up that quote from Padme, right? That, um, 
the, 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 the key importance of diplomacy. And then, yeah, this is just what they did again is, um, you know, like, Oh, nope. It's, it's the good guys and here's the bad guys and let's just beat up the bad guys. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah and, like, and, and and where we've been split in two. Where so, you know, Campbell's idea of this dyad is where two people, two individuals, die and become one relationship. And I find that fascinating. The resistance, the rebellion, and the empire both had to die to become a republic. We needed a republic again. Mm. That's what we needed. Mm-hmm. Diplomacy. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm very, I feel very strongly about this. <laughs> yeah. I, here. Hmm. Wow. This is, I'm, I'm digesting all of this. So, because that's, that's a twist. I never expected the story to take. Uh, I didn't look for it. But if it did go that way, it would have been very different. It would have been a risk, I think, worth taking. Um, Because that's how we know. That's how we know that the evil won't rise up again. Because everybody's voices would have been accounted for. It's It's better than the end of Return of the Jedi, where we just blew the bad guys up. You know, that's to me why the first order was able to rise up at the beginning of seven, because there was no healing, you know, in the clone wars, when Maul comes back, the quote, the little fortune cookie that is played at the beginning of that episode is the only enemy that is truly defeated is an enemy that becomes a friend. So if we had made the stormtroopers our friends, Finn's brothers and sisters, if we had welcomed them back home, then that's how we know there's going to there's not going to be another first order lurking in the darkness, these little fragments of evil because everybody would have been welcomed home. And just imagine, this is my little fanfic. Just imagine an ending where instead of the bad guys are blown up and the good guys are Hooray! We did it. Imagine the dyad, Kylo Ren and Rey, with their power that is like life itself. Imagine them literally healing war-torn planets, you know, Mm. using that power to grow life, you know, going to Tatooine and turning it green. Mm. And then imagine these star destroyers, right? These things that used to roam around the galaxy and destroy. Imagine them providing war aid and relief, healing the galaxy instead of just blowing them up and laying their carcasses on top. Oh my gosh. There's that, that shot in this movie where a new star destroyer falls down on the bones of an old star destroyer on Jakku. And I just see the cycle repeating itself over and over again, just bones on bones on bones. And imagine those star destroyers going around and helping people that have been displaced by war or, you know, our, our, the stormtroopers now, these former stormtroopers now going around and providing war relief. You know, these are the people that used to go in and, and burn cities to the ground, but now they're helping to repair the damage that was done. Restorative justice, mm-hmm. not retributive justice. Blowing them up is retributive justice. It is you hit me and I hit you back. We need it to be better than that. 
at the end of a nine part saga, we needed to be better than retributive justice. We needed healing. We needed restorative justice. Or at least that's what I needed. <sighs> I'm going to have to take this home and digest that idea for a while. I, I like the idea, but you know, to be fair, I, I'm not, I can't see that that coming from the story that was told in in the Rise of Skywalker, you mm-hmm. know, because it was told a specific way, you know. Yeah, it's, but I think, mm-hmm. well, I think that's the problem, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. Is that the story yeah. the story they chose to tell was just, you know, kind of as we've said a few other times, it's it, it was just the same story again. You know, yeah, and you know, I, I know JJ has made the point to talk about how, you know, for him, he kind of understood the first order to be, you know, and this was back at Force Awakens times. He was talking about, oh, you know, like what if the, you know, all these German Nazi scientists after World War II, you know, like bailed, right? Like a lot of them got out of Germany, like went and hid in the Caribbean, went and hid in like remote parts of the planet. Um, and, you know, he had this premise of like, well, what if they found each other and started rebuilding something? And then I know even in some of the press stuff for episode nine, he talked about, well, we've seen a rise in like neo-fascism and like, you know, this neoconservative movement where, you know, we somehow give credence to skinheads and racists, you know, calling them good people, you know, uh, right? Like, so I know he this was kind of their attempt at getting at some of the re- ridiculous hatred that exists in this country and that was fueled by a very vindictive evil man um and uh right so it's like i get that you're trying to say that these things can always rise up but if the solution is just punch him in the face that's never the solution <laughs> right yeah. um, well remember and- that quote from game of thrones we don't make peace with our friends You can only make peace with your enemy. You're like, I don't want to make peace with those people. They're evil. They're, you know, I understand the need to fight and to defend. But I think at the end of nine movies, a story that took 40 years to tell, we can do a little better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I know I always come down on this point to just say that they had so little time to write it. Um, and that, and that's not to like excuse all of this and just be like, okay, well that's fine. They just kind of squeezed this out. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, I think pulling us out of the story that, cause that's, that is, I think that is a conversation that has to, uh, I think that's a reality that you can't just ignore the fact that they, they, you know, they had no trajectory. They had no, um, solid plan moving forward. And, so when another director didn't work out and they just kind of, you know, went back to JJ and said, Hey, can you come in with essentially 18 months to write and film this movie? He just did it. I'm sure they gave him a lot of money. And then he turned to, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I, I, most of my qualms are with Chris Terrio. I don't know. There's just something about the guy. I just don't think he makes good movies. Um, and, uh, but all that to say, you're hundred percent right, Katie, you know, this story ended the same place. There's nothing mm-hmm. different and there's no, so, you know, I've, I've had several friends over the years, uh, you know, like, especially in the last couple of months, like when Jason and I, you know, we're like, Hey, yay, we did this for 10 years. And, um, people are like, how do you have that many things to talk about? Oh, well, I guess there's the new movies. Do you, th-? and then, you know, the, the typical, like, um, the typical follow-up question is, Oh, do you think they'll still make more? And it's like, 
part of me, yeah, like I know they, you know, all the marketing was like, this is the final chapter of the saga. It's like, I don't know. No. Because they'll do it and they definitely can do a 10, 11, 12 now because 7, 8, 9 was just 4, 5, and 6.2. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. Like the, the story ends the same way. Um, yeah. And I really like what you said, Katie, about how right like they they had put in the they'd put in the work to make th- the reality of a stormtrooper uh revolt or revolution and they just did nothing with it and it makes me think of and I know I think you'll appreciate this Katie makes me think of uh a scene from the third season of Cobra Kai and uh yeah. you and I love the show very much yes. as do lots of people <laughs> and when Daniel is training with um uh remind me the name of the the person in Okinawa from Karate Kid 2 um, oh, I, I uh, don't remember. I can see I'm his sorry. face. But anyway, he goes over there and he learns that, you know, how do you combat an enemy? Will you take away their ability to fight? And that's essentially right. what you said, right? Like if there's this yeah. stormtrooper revolt, if you take away their ability to wage war, the war can't happen. Um, right. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, where where would Hux be without all those stormtroopers? Yeah. yeah. And I just think about well, I think about how. The clone troopers, the clone troopers were made to defend the Republic. And Mm -hmm. then they did that by putting blasters in their hands. And I just have this image in my head. It's very fanficy image of Finn and the, and the former stormtroopers, you know, doing what the clone troopers were meant to do, which is defend the Republic, but not with blasters in their hands, but with like, you know, medical aid and, you know, just, just helping people. Mm. So, but mm-hmm. there's like three more things I want to talk about. So we kind of got to yeah. move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do All it. Right. I just, I just want to say uh, sure. one more thing here. That there is a lot made in, you know, from the creatives on Star Wars about rhyming beats. Right. You know, Star Wars does rhyme, but rhyming doesn't mean it's the same. It's not the same word. Exactly. You and- can't rhyme cat with cat. <laughs> <laughs> And so, and I think if you're going to complete a saga, having the final line be something definitive, be be something that rhymes, having but definitive and different is good poetry. Right. So yeah, I, I like I like the idea that you're presenting us of of where this story could have gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course with the story that they did make, it, it wasn't, it didn't work with what they, they end up putting on, on screen. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So what- yeah. In, in the movie, all roads lead to Exegol. We had the big space battle up above and we have this throne room scene. I'm going to yada yada over Ray being all the Jedi. Cause I just think that's functionally meaningless. Uh, so that we can, <laughs> get to um, kind of these last three points that I want to talk about. And the first one is Ben Solo's death. I, I can't accept it. I just can't accept it. It, so Ray is all the Jedi. She strikes down Palpatine instead of accepting him, loving her dark side, you know, instead of healing the wounds of the past to make sure that he can't rise up again she just kills him because she's all the Jedi. Uh, and then she falls down dead, a discarded husk. The Jedi are done with her and she's just dead now. Okay. And it plays like a horror movie. Ben crawls out of the pit and he crawls 
to Ray on his hands and knees and picks up her corpse and she's just lifeless in his arms, her wide, lifeless eyes. And he looks around and he mouths the words, help me, but no help is coming. Who would help Kylo Ren in this moment? You know, if he said, be with me, would the Jedi come to him? We'll never know. So he gives his life to her. And I don't like it. I don't like it. It doesn't heal anything. I've heard it argued that it resolves Anakin's story because Anakin wanted to save Padme. And Anakin was unable to, but Kylo Re- Ben Solo can save Rey. That falls hollow to me. Be- that falls short to me and rings hollow because for me Anakin's job wasn't to save Padme his job was to accept her death and to raise his children his job was to release control over the situation because that's what sends them into a spiral is trying to control each and every little thing and to stop people from dying no, his job, Anakin's job was to release all of that and to raise these two beautiful children. So for me, what is Ben Solo's arc? What was his job? What was the thing he was fighting against? For me, I thought his job was to go home and to face what he had done. But instead, he he looks at Ray, and he thinks the galaxy is less without her in it, but no one will miss me. And he gives his life to her. And this isn't even, this isn't even a soldier jumping in front of another soldier to take a bullet. This is a, a boy, a healthy, beautiful boy with his whole life ahead of him deciding that he doesn't want to live more. He doesn't want to exist in a galaxy without her in it. So he chooses for her to live and for him to die. And I strongly dislike that. For me, the stronger message, if Ray had to die, then Ben Solo should have soldiered on and done what Anakin could not. That's what Anakin couldn't do. It wasn't that Anakin wasn't strong enough or didn't have the power to give his life for Padme. The thing that Anakin was incapable of doing was living in a world without Padme. So for me, if Rey had to die, then Ben Solo should have moved forward into the future and made it brighter. That's how I feel. But I think J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio looked at Kylo Ren and saw Vader. And because Vader died, (laughs) Ben Solo has to die. And... You know, because I think they thought that audiences wouldn't accept Ben Solo living after all that he has done. And that brings, you know, that just circles back to the idea of retributive justice. He has done bad, therefore he must die and suffer. And I just, I just don't like that. I, 
I don't think we should demand that people pay for their deeds in blood. We should not ask for vengeance. We shouldn't seek vengeance. We shouldn't seek retribution. The dark side, that is. We should not have asked Ben Solo to die for this trilogy. We should have let him live and make up for his misdeeds. Hmm. Yeah, well, so, I mean, again, I think, right, we go back to the the tenet of, let's just do this again. <laughs> and and there's nothing new offered. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, Katie. Um, they just, the fact that they, neither one of the film film creators could see a future with both of them in it. Right. Uh, like I think that's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, and again, what it's limited, it's, what limited small minds can't see an ending that has both Ray and and Ben solo in it, you know, yeah. coming together, finding balance in the force. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and that, even, that we can't that we live in a world that can't even conceive of it. We need to reach for more. We need to reach for something better, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's yeah. <laughs> and I need I, to it, I need to say to anyone who feels like Ben Solo that you've done too much to ever be worth anything that that no one would miss you and that and that you know the galaxy would somehow be better without you in it i want to say that that's not true that the world wants you here i want you here all right there's so much that you can do for your community, there's so much that you can do to be loved and to find worthiness in yourself that this is not the end of your story. And this shouldn't have been the end of Ben Solo's story. I just, I, I want you here. The world wants you here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just it's, want to give Katie uh, a hug now. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I just. His, so suffice to say, his death doesn't work for me. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think you are so far from alone in that, <laughs> as you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's and they, like, and it's like, oh. well, let's just say, you know, we get so, so little of them together at the end there. And I think there's such a, uh, a delightfulness to, you know, that moment of her passing the saber to him, like in, and, right. you know, he comes mm-hmm. in, they look at each other and then nothing happens because Palpatine's just like, Nope, I'm going to control you with the force and drain your energy. It's like, you know, even, even in the, even if you're like buying all of it up until this point, it's like, to me, it's like, oh, here's another hurdle for you. It's like, yay, they finally, like, okay, they found each other. They've come together and they do nothing together. <laughs> you know, right. like it's, right. it's just like, yeah. it's like, oh, come on. What the heck? <laughs> you know, oh, so, uh, you know, so falls the last Skywalker. Oh, okay. Now, you know, it's just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, yeah, he's, he's you know, gone. It's just, it's like, you know, it's, it's <laughs> once again, like as, as repetitive as it would have been, had they even both taken up arms and cut, you know, 
Palpatine down together. Again, it's like you, you've been saying, Katie, it's, it's, it's that, um, what's not restorative. What's the other one? <laughs> Ret- <laughs> retributive yeah, retri- it would have been just another example of retributive justice, but at the same time, it's like, all right, well, at least they, and again, it's like, okay, well, at least they had done it together, but like they, but they, they don't. <laughs> Like yeah, they Ben, don't get to ben, stand together. ben coming there, it's like all all that he accomplishes by coming there is dying, so that she can live. Right, you know, and and I think yep. I know there are people that are like they they have no problem with that. There are people that even like that, and that's you know that's fine. Um, I think it's just uh, it like you said, Katie. It's just like it's such a small way to to see where that story can go. It's 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 just again like oh no, remember Vader. Here's Vader 2.0, and this is how <laughs> Vader 2.0 has got to go. You know, yeah. remember how? Hey, remember how the father, you know, died for the for the son? Well, here's the lover dying for his his woman. <laughs> you know, Ugh. it's just like a father, uh, a father dying for a son is one thing, and a lover. And they are lovers. They get to kiss. Raylo is canon. Hooray for me. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a husband dying for a wife is very different than a parent dying for a child. It, mm. it just is. And I, can't, I, I am baffled by the fact that they thought that they could give Ray a soulmate, a literal soulmate, and then kill him and, and, say, and, and do nothing with it, say nothing with it. She doesn't get to grieve. She doesn't shed a single tear over her soulmate. It's... It's hard for me. I can't accept this. He he doesn't even get a Vader style. Now go, my son, or you know, you, tell your sister she, you were right. You know, we don't get any closure there. We get a kiss, and then he's dead, and then Ray looks confused, and she immediately moves on. There's such a hole in me. I I I crave closure for this moment, and I'll never get it. Honestly. <sighs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let, let's let's move on and hit my two last points. You know, yeah. uh, uh, like I said, Ray's soulmate dies. He doesn't get to grieve. <laughs> we just move right on to the Ewok dance party because, like I said, the bad guys have blown, been blown up. <laughs> Vader's dead now too. Our new Vader. And uh, and just let's just roll right along to Tatooine. <laughs> And uh, Ray goes there to bury Luke and Leia's lightsabers. And uh, I'm going to read you some more Chris Terrio quotes because he he had some ideas that burying Luke and Leia's lightsabers out on the Lars homestead would somehow uh, sum up the saga, I guess. And uh, so this is is what he's been going for, where he says... uh, Ray is going to pay her respects and sort of undo the original sin from the end of the third movie, which is the separation of the twins. I mean, of course, they had to be separated to keep them safe. And the trilogy wouldn't exist. The six movies wouldn't exist if they hadn't been separated. But that felt to us like it was almost a wrong that needed to be righted. We very deliberately in the script described wrapping up the sabers as if you were wrapping infants. That's the thing you see at the end of the third movie where the two infants are wrapped and one of them is sent to Tatooine to be a farmer and one is sent to Alderaan to be a princess. Leia's home doesn't exist anymore. So we thought, well, Luke could take Leia to his home where he grew up and where we first saw Star Wars. 
on a meta level, it was our pilgrimage to go there and pay respects to George and all that the original trilogy had meant to us. And just real quick, I want to point out how telling this language is, where he says the Lars Homestead is the place where, quote, we first saw Star Wars. Who's we in that sentence? Because there's an awful lot of Star Wars fans, and not all of them started their journey with episode four, is all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And then he says, yeah, but we wanted to go to Tatooine so that we could pay respects to George and all that the original trilogy had meant. So no, actually, by going to Tatooine, we're not wrapping up the saga. We're paying homage to your childhood, Chris Terrio and J.J. Abrams. (sighs) And so I just, I have a lot to say about... (laughs) This idea of the original sin and how separating the twins is somehow the original sin of Star Wars and it needs to be healed somehow. Because one, the twins are reunited 40 minutes into episode four. So, you know, original sin healed. And then also, if the idea was that these lightsabers represent Luke and Leia and we need to bring them home, then for me, they should have gone to Naboo. They should have gone to Naboo, mm-hmm. not Tatooine. <laughs> we, should have, we should have brought the lightsabers to Padme's grave and laid the twins down with, I don't know, maybe there's a statue of her. Maybe we actually open the grave and lay the twins in next to the Japur snippet. You know, we needed to reunite this family. If that's the idea... If the idea is we have to end this saga by healing the Skywalker family, then we should have gone to Naboo. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sidestep and do a little more fan fiction because also if we have to do Ray Palpatine, we can go to Naboo to to solve two problems. <laughs> uh, you know, she can she can go to Padme's grave, lay the lightsabers to rest, reunite the Skywalker family, and then she can go to the Palpatine estates and she can tear down her grandfather's monuments, any portraits or whatever of him. If the idea is like the Palpatines are dead and Ray is going to do something new, then show me Ray clearing out their halls and then filling it with Padawans, Mm. you know, show, show Ray healing her inner orphan, her, her nobody by bringing in orphan children into these estates and, and turning it into something new. Uh, but again, that's just kind of my fanfic. <laughs> I think I think the stronger idea, though, is that instead of going back to Tatooine to pay homage to the original trilogy specifically, then we should have wrapped up all nine films by going back to Naboo and laying the twins to rest with their mother and symbolically their father through the Jipor snippet. That's my idea. Which is a beautifully awesome idea. I remember the first oh, time you. you said that to me, I was like, I could just immediately picture that. I like that would make such beautiful fan art too. Just Ray laying those sabers on Padme's tomb. That'd be such a beautiful, um, right? Because like I, I remember when you texted me that day, you're like, okay, I can at least can you know, like he's onto something that could be a great idea here. Let's let's bury this family together. But then right, like again, like they're just in their heads about their Star Wars experience, which was from 1977 to 1983, right? So all all three of us, right? All three of us 
essentially grew up with the prequels, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, that said, like, yes, I know we all saw the originals, or at least I know Jason and I, we saw them first, but like, but what we grew up with was the prequels. We didn't grow up on Tatooine. We grew up on Naboo. <laughs> um, hey, and frankly, yeah. well, we grew up in both places. True. A yeah. little. Yeah. We're this yeah. kind of weird in-between generation, but you know, I was nine when the Phantom Menace came out. So, you know, we, I very much grew up on Naboo. Mm. Like I graduated high school when Revenge of the Sith came out, you Mm. know, like, yeah, I grew up with the prequels and they're part of my story. They're part of my Star Wars story. My Star Wars story does not begin, nor do I feel like it should have ended on Tatooine. I, you know, I don't mind the Tatooine stuff i think it's 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 a beautiful portion of the movie um the the trip to tatooine burying them there in the sands uh yes padme isn't there but shmi is uh, okay she is the mother of all of mother of skywalkers and i i you know i i see where you're coming from i i seed that and and i think going to naboo would have been beautiful um, but I was okay going to Tatooine too. So I don't, you know, it, it's where, you know, most of the family is quote unquote from, you know, Shmi. Yes. And no, Shmi and married, Shmi married into the Lars family. And then Luke was raised by the Lars family. But Shmi isn't from Tatooine. Anakin says that they were brought there by Gradula the Hutt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they they don't really have an ancestral home. I think the closest thing to the ancestral home is Naboo. And again, if we're if we have to do Ray Palpatine, then she kind of needs to make that pilgrimage there. So that's a but, fair point. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, she lays these lightsabers to rest. And a nosy old woman is all like, hey, who are you? I'm Ray. Ray who? And Leia, not Leia, Ray looks over and she sees Luke and Leia's force ghosts because Luke and Leia are her parents now. Just a couple things. One, it's super awkward that a pair of twins are her parents now. Two, it's super awkward that her soulmate is also now her adoptive brother slash cousin i don't know it's weird and i don't like it three i am so angry about how they're dressed specifically because luke is dressed like a jedi luke has been allowed to grow and become his final form how's leia dressed what's leia wearing she's wearing the outfit from a new hope leia has been regressed to the virginal princess she you know she's how fanboys remember her and how they think of her as something innocent. And I don't like it. I would have preferred literally anything else. I just don't like this. So, but anyway, Ray looks over and she sees them and she says, Ray Skywalker. I'm Ray Skywalker. She has become Luke's equal. She has not surpassed him in any way. (laughs) She, has climbed the mountain that Luke climbed and she now stands at the same peaks that Luke once stood upon and she looks upon her kingdom and smiles. 
and the movie comes to an end at last. I'm free. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm such a freaking downer. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Katie, I don't think anybody, uh, you're not beholden to say, here's, okay, here's what I don't like, but here's what I do like. No, I, you know, know, I, I, uh, so, you know, I, for one, I, I love the way to me, I, I like this moment because of so here's why I like her saying Ray Skywalker in that moment. Um, and this was the big thing for me. It's like, all right, like as silly as this movie is and as much as for me, it doesn't in any way close this nine part saga. What I liked in this microcosm way about Ray is um, and when the movie came out, it, 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 it was mirroring my own journey in life coming into something that I never felt like. I could have like uh, coming into this new um, way of being religious and spiritual, which is a huge deal for me um, coming into a whole new way of doing that and and not knowing if, if I could and to just say that I am that and then be accepted as that was like really, really powerful. So I was like, I really like that Ray can just say Ray Skywalker um, to me. It's even less about like, Oh yeah, now she's Luke and Leia's child. Like it, I, to me, it was just more of like what Skywalker represents, which is, you know, she's the hero. She's the hero of this saga. Um, uh, you know, so I, I liked that she took something that, you know, for all intents and purposes, wasn't hers. And it is hers because she claims it and it belongs to her because, yeah, of course it does. Um, so that's why I like it. Um, you know, and uh, I, I'm not I'm not saying that that's why anybody else has to. But that's why I do like it. And, and like, I, I still do. I, I really like that moment a that's- lot. Um, yeah, that's yeah. completely valid. For me, it falls a bit flat because she, Ray never, never really accepts her inner orphan. To me, it feels more like she has shoved her inner orphan way down. It's like, we're not going to think about that or talk about that because I'm a Skywalker now. And, and she, and likewise, she never accepts or heals her inner Palpatine. You know, to me, it doesn't feel like she has you know, risen up, risen above them and, and claimed something new for herself. It just really feels like she's trying to paint over the past. You know, it's almost like, what did Laura Santeca say at the beginning of the, the force awakens when he's all like, you, you cannot deny the truth that is your family. That's what this feels like to me. To me, it feels like Ray is in firm denial. <laughs> she's like, no, I'm not going to think about being a nobody. I'm not going to think about being a Palpatine. I'm a Skywalker now. Well, the thing about about Ray is is that the entire you know three movie saga, three movie uh, trilogy, she's been looking for her family. Mm-hmm. That is what she's been looking for. She's not necessarily looking to, um, you know, embrace her orphan, uh, her her inner orphan. She is looking to find a family right. somehow, anyway, any way, shape, or form. And, and, you know, she, she makes a a found family with the likes of Poe and Finn and Rose. Um, I still insist Rose, uh, you know, uh, and, and then, you know, when we get to this point where the Skywalker line has died, you know, that there are no more Skywalkers in, in, in this particular family, which, you know, Take that, you know, however you want. And she has decided to to take on the name 
and perhaps redefine it. We don't know. This is the beginning of who Ray Skywalker is. Yeah. Um, so I, I like it because it is, it is her acknowledgement that she has a family now, you know, a, one that she, you know, loves and accepts and cherishes uh, and one that she feels accepted her even when she didn't know who she was. Um, and, and I do like the, the idea of sort of a, a adopted family, uh, which is something that, that we get, you know, we kind of skirt around and play with a little bit in star Wars anyways, uh, with found family. But, you know, I do like it. I, I do like the, her becoming a Skywalker because now it's new. It's something I different. Mean, so, so when you say, you know, yes, in this trilogy, she has been looking for a family. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about want versus need. All great characters are driven by a want versus a need. And a want is the shiny, uh, you know, the trophy at the end. It is, you know, what you are striving for. But what you need is what will heal you and allow you to move forward. So uh, have you guys seen Wreck-It Ralph? Uh, I'm going to make this real easy for you. No. The want is the metal. Well, okay. Wreck-It Ralph is literally about video game characters. Yes. And so the somebody, uh, Ralph, has been cast in the bad guy role. And what he wants is the hero's medal. So he spends the whole movie going after that medal. That's what he wants. But what he needs is to love himself, accept himself, <laughs> You know, that's what's going to heal him. He needs to stop seeing himself as a bad guy. Yeah, he's the bad guy in the video game, but that doesn't make him a bad guy. <laughs> they literally say that in the movie. Yeah, you're a bad guy. That doesn't make you a bad guy. Anyway, Ray wants a family. Ray needs to love herself and accept herself. And Ray Skywalker, as the final note, doesn't really do that for me. She has gotten the medal, but I feel like there was a need that was left unaddressed. And that's just me. That's how that adds up in my head and why I left the movie feeling so hollow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can, I can understand that. I do think that Ray Skywalker can be both. Um, but that's just my interpretation. So I will, yeah. I will leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, no, no. yeah. I mean, I think that's. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny because there's just so many different, you know, points of view here and different perspectives on and how you see it. You know, <laughs> from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. <laughs> that's what, uh, that's what this movie turned me into. This it turned me into Anakin, and I'm just I'm so angry, and I don't know what to do with it. And then you guys are like Obi-Wan all like, oh, then you are lost. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not uh, going to say you're lost because uh, you're so <laughs> flippant entitled to however you saw this. And I think, I mean, I think even at the end of the day, right, like if you've been listening and, you know, you are a Tross fan, this was never meant to be like, and I don't, Katie, I don't feel like this was your intent to be like, well, you can't like this movie. Um, oh, but it's just absolutely. like, I just, I love your perspective because, you know, the, for you, your own narrative, which I really appreciate you coming in to share with us, is simply this movie really, really messed with my love and understanding of Star Wars. And I love that you kind of spoke to all of that and and brought up all these great points of like, 
you know, things in this movie that just went so wrong. And again, you're not alone in that. There are so many people that really struggle with this movie. And I know, like, like I've said several times throughout, <laughs> throughout this episode, um, you know, my biggest disappointment and very different stakes than you, Katie. But to me, just the biggest disappointment was like, oh, nuts. They just redid the original trilogy <laughs> now. Like, and like, and you know, there's, there's plenty to unpack with that. And, but at the same time, it's like, I can still go back and, you know, I still go back and it's like, all right, well, I still really enjoy so much of Ray's journey in this movie, even if it's super ridiculous when you look at episode seven and eight and where her story was going. Yeah. Um, like in a weird way, episode nine is an anthology film. <laughs> In some weird way, yeah. to me. like we got well, we got it, Rogue One solo, and then Episode Nine. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Um, it I, just just didn't work it, for me. What, what it, I think I think what the Rise of Skywalker did was just sort of like, and and again, I want to I want to put out there. There are days I watch this movie and I absolutely love it, and I'm just I'm having a good time, and it's a lot of fun. And then there are days where I watch this movie and I sit back and I go, what even is this? So it, it, it's, I, I am both with this movie. It's weird. I, I, I'm, you know, um, but I feel like sometimes this movie kind of like cherry picked, you know, important beats from the, the force awakens and the last Jedi and then sprinkled in a bunch of beats from the original trilogy decided to make Rhea Palpatine <laughs> mix it all together and said, ta-da. And, and yeah, that's what we got. And I think part of why I'm okay with it. And, and maybe this is, <laughs> this says something about me is I didn't expect as much of it from from the movie as you did, Katie. Yeah. I, it, yeah. I, expect, I did not expect, you know, that much in this movie. And, and that is a, both a, you know, a, a good thing and, and a bad thing. I, I, I guess, I don't know. It's just a thing thing. I, yeah. I don't, it, I feel I, like, I think, I think my standards were lowered on the trilogy as a whole. Hmm. based on how things had been going with I think you know the rise of Skywalker and, and stuff like that so I don't I think, know yes I I've done a lot of talking about what I wanted right <laughs> where and but I I don't mean to say because it didn't give me every single little thing I hate it I think more it's more that I did not expect it to go the complete opposite direction of what I wanted. I, I felt like the last Jedi made so many progressive choices. I thought we were barreling straight into the future. You know, we were just on a bullet train into the future and I, and I felt really good about it. I guess it was my arrogance <laughs> where I was like, there, there's no stopping this train. We're, we're going into the future and I want to see what that future looks like. I want to see how Ray rebuilds the Jedi no, 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 no. And then J.J. Abrams slammed the brakes and threw us backwards. And that was the last thing I thought we were going to do. And and it just felt like a a betrayal. It it cut really deep. 
And maybe that sounds dramatic, but that's exactly how it felt. I, I didn't know how to talk about it, how to process it. And I still don't know how to accept it. <laughs> you know, the, um, the stages of grief, the, the five stages of grief where it denial, uh, anger, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Depression, yeah. right. Yeah, sorry. Anger, de- denial, anger, depression, bargaining, acceptance. Are you like, still in the, the bargaining? What? Are you still bargaining? Yeah, I'm still stuck at bargaining because I definitely went through denial. I definitely went through anger and depression. I'm in the bargaining phase because I'm like, oh, if only they could bring Ben Solo back. <laughs> if only, he's he's got to be in the world between worlds, right? Come on, Star Wars, pull Ben Solo out of the world between worlds. Give Ray her soulmate back, and and all will be forgiven. It'll be you know, I'll, I'll come back to you. <sighs> Oof, I I'm stuck there. I'm absolutely mired in the bargaining phase. I don't I don't know if I'll ever reach the acceptance phase. So you but like, might. Here, here's, you- I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. No, I was just saying, so you might say you're mired in baseless accusations of yes. good screenwriting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing, the thing about the, the acceptance phase isn't that you no longer feel bad and it's not that you no longer grieve. The right. acceptance phase is you are, you have released control of the situation and you're ready to move on. Because, I mean, that's what all five stages are about, or four of the stages are about, is trying to take control. With mm-hmm. denial, you create distance between yourself and the situation, either by saying, it's not happening, or by saying, I'm not going to deal with this right now, which is very much what I did. I just put things in a box, and I stopped tweeting, and I stopped talking to you guys. It was just like, I'm just not going to deal with this. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. denial. That's creating distance between you and the situation. Anger. Anger, I love the anger phase because it feels productive. You're lashing out, you're doing something, but you're not actually being productive. You're not moving forward. You're just causing more harm. And then uh, depression, I've I've been stuck there for a long time. That's when you feel hopeless and you you don't see any way of moving forward. And then, of course, bargaining is either you're like literally trying to make a deal like when somebody says you're fired and then you go, no, 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 don't fire me. I'll work on weekends. That's you making a bargain to try to take control of that situation. Mm-hmm. But bargaining can also be what if statements. And that's where I am. I keep going, well, what if they bring back Ben Solo? What if it isn't really over? What if, what if? So Marvel's <laughs> latest cartoon series was essentially the fourth stage yes. of the grief process. Yes, we're all still precisely. feeling we're all still feeling precisely. endgame. <laughs> yeah. So then once you surrender that control of the situation and you're ready to move forward productively, you've hit acceptance. In some ways I've hit acceptance because I'm here talking to you guys. <laughs> I I can't control this. But let's try to find a way to move forward. <laughs> So, and yeah. I, I hope being able to come out here and uh, and talk about these things helps you a with bit. that. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it, really it's, good to talk to you guys. It, yeah, yeah, it is a part of it. Yeah. Okay. I, I I hope I hope it's cathartic for you and yeah and it helps you get some of this stuff off your chest out into the ether to a place where it's like, okay, I don't have to hold on to all of this and we can maybe, maybe, uh, you know, 
be okay. Not yeah. like okay, situation, <laughs> just be okay. So, <laughs> so yep, it just and exactly be okay and know how to move on. Again, it doesn't mean that you're not upset anymore. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're you don't get angry sometimes or have those those what if thoughts. It just means that you're ready to move forward. And maybe I'm ready to move forward. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know. I am giving you the biggest virtual hug right now, Katie. <laughs> oh, thank you. I thought maybe we could end this discussion with our favorite, like restorative media, because restorative media has been so important to me this past year, I guess coming up on two years now. <laughs> and what I mean by restorative media is, I mean, the things that feed your soul, the things that say exactly what you needed them to say. And uh, I think for me and Carl, Cobra Kai, mm-hmm. Cobra Kai, yeah. <laughs> Cobra Kai, yeah, Cobra Kai is amazing. Um, Daniel and Johnny are definitely a dyad is all I'm saying. Their union, again, I'm not going to use the word marriage because people are like, what, you want Johnny and Daniel to get married? No, their union is going to balance the force and bring everybody home. <sighs> I'm very excited about that. <laughs> but then, but then there's also WandaVision. Yeah. That one. Well, I love WandaVision because it actually engages with grief. They, Tross killed Ray's soulmate and didn't even let her cry. Wanda gets to do all the crying because her soulmate is dead. And I found that so healing. That was very restorative for me. Mm. And, I, I oh, like yeah. WandaVision. I'd like uh, WandaVision a lot. Yeah. So. Oh, it's just so good sometimes to see a character actually cry and grieve. You know? Yes. You know, what is grief if not yeah. love persevering? Ugh. And to what also I have give. Vision say, yeah. you know, we'll see each other again. Oh, right? Who, uh, who knows what he'll gosh. be next, Katie? Who knows what he'll be next? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> and, and here's the thing about, about that. Just one last, sorry, I want to just tack one last thing onto our discussion about the, the Force Ghost Vision at the end. Is Ben should have been there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe. I, I think he should have. Because Maybe. then it means there is still, you know, uh, he, there's still the possibility to, you know, communicate with him. You know, I, I feel like Ben should have been there, you know, uh, but I don't maybe. know. Maybe. I'll just say maybe because I'm very torn about that. That's On the fair. one hand, it would be nice to see the family reunited. Luke did say, do you round kid? Those are his parting words to Ben and Mm -hmm. it never came true. He just gave up on him quite honestly. So that would have been nice. But then on the other hand, if he had been there, then it would have killed my delicate fluttering little butterfly of a hope inside my chest that he will return to us. So maybe, maybe. Okay. What's your favorite restorative media these days? Oh, I don't know. What um, feeds I, you? What feeds your soul? Feeds my soul? Yeah. Uh, I've been, it's it's not even like, <laughs> it's not even like storytelling media right now. It's, sure. it's music. It's, I've been listening <gasps> uh, on repeat to uh, a two-year-old album by Lindsey Sterling. Um who is a uh, violinist. So like I, I 
I have been absorbed in that album, her, her Artemis album. Um, it's been fantastic. I love it. Uh, and then I've been playing a lot of D and D. So being able to create my own stories and characters and, and work, you know, out problems and puzzles with everyone around the table, uh, has been kind of like one of my big outlets in the last couple of years. So yeah, I've been, I think that's where, where mine is. (laughs) That's nice. That's lovely. What about Carl? Oh, Marvel all the way, starting with WandaVision. Yeah. Yeah. That's been, uh, that's been the greatest gift I've I've received this year, <laughs> and oh, and lately comic yeah. books. I've been reading Kelly Thompson's Black Widow and Captain Marvel runs, and they're breathtaking. They're so good. So um, that's that's been it for me. Yeah, yeah I feel that one. Um, yeah, Marvel's great. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And I'll say this uh, totally off topic now, but uh, what the hell. Um, it's been really fun being part of a Marvel fan community where I have no, I have just like, I just, I just get to exist there. And it's not to say that like Wampus Lair is some like massive, you know, media force in the Star Wars community. Um, <laughs> but you know, like doing, but it, but it is like, it's still this project you do every single week and, and, and I love it dearly, but it's fun to just like, enjoy marvel just to enjoy and then when there's things i don't like it's like whatever i don't care like it's no (laughs) harm no foul at all like the what ifs you know i've watched some of them and you know i'm like okay these are all right but like i don't care like it doesn't doesn't need to be not everything needs to be my favorite um that's me with doctor who that's me with (laughs) nice 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 yeah nice and I've only come across like a few because like I've slowly started following some like social media accounts for Marvel um, just because like, like, you know, just because I really like it. And every now and then you'll see like those buttheads who are like, well, in the comics, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, OK, okay you know, like, exactly. I don't care at all. And then but also I'll say this, like it's a nice reminder as someone who has like even a small voice in the Star Wars community of like really important to always make sure to check myself to make sure I hopefully don't do gatekeeping. And what's funny, Katie is like two, I think it was two weeks ago or no last week when Jason and I were recording kind of like a quick book of Boba Fett trailer response, Jason was pointing out in the uh, trailer. He's like, Oh, I'm pretty sure that's Anchorhead," And I immediately just go, no, that's not Anchorhead, And here's why. And I was like, Oh Jesus, Jason, I'm so sorry. I just totally <laughs> gatekeeped you. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I've become what I, uh, uh, yeah. I've become what I hate. I, I mean, become- that's me. That's how I feel about Tross. I'm like, Oh no, have I become what I hate? Just somebody that complains about this <laughs> one specific thing. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll work through it. I'll get there. I'll get yeah. there. <laughs> and the good news with Star Wars is that it is getting big enough that you don't have to like everything. Sure. Yeah. You know, that is, I mean, yes, you might end up being like, but I need the rest of my story finished. And I understand that. And that's frustrating and, 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 rough but we are getting to a place where there's just so much of star wars that you can pick and choose what you like you know we're we're, we got mandalorian we're gonna have book of boba fett next year we're gonna have cassian obi-wan mandalorian season three um and then after that we're getting ahsoka and a rogue squadron movie the following year and who knows what else they're making um Plus, the High Republic stuff is is kind of being a big thing, and I've been enjoying it. But um, you know, I know it's not everybody's cup of tea because not everybody goes 
uh, <laughs> goes for the the novels and the comics. So, but mm. you know, it is it is one of those things where Star Wars is is getting to the place where it's big enough where you don't have to like everything. Yep, and yeah. still have a place here. So. And and I think that's the most important thing we need to take away from all of this discussion is sure. whether it's the Last Jedi or the Rise of Skywalker or the Phantom Menace. Well, <laughs> you're wrong if you don't like the Phantom. I'm kidding, <laughs> right? No, um, don't want that back. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but if 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 it's whatever it is, and you're just like that's not that doesn't work for me. There's room in Star Wars for that, and I want to just make sure everybody hears that because I think that's my biggest complaint in Star Wars uh, fan interactions right now is that that seems to have been in recent years not the case and people are like well it's my way or no way and I'm like no there really is all the ways so (laughs) yeah not to say that's been the discussion here because it hasn't Um, so yeah well why don't we why don't we start to to wrap this up um and uh you know I just want to say it again Katie I'm just so happy you chose us to come and have this conversation um oh, yeah. and 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 not to say like you know like ha 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 to everybody else but you know I mean it just to everybody who's been with the show the last you know the, but for those who've been with the show for a couple of years and, you know, in those of those of you who especially miss Katie being, you know, a regular part of the team as we do as well. Uh, I just like, I just really feel um, so, so honored that you chose to come here and share all that you shared and, you know, break down, you know, where you're at with all this. And I, I I'm so excited for folks who also needed to hear that because you know, uh-huh. um, you know, <laughs> we want to. Did you? Everybody that listens to us, we we hope to serve all of you in, in positive ways. And I think there is positives in venting about the things that don't work. You know, um, <laughs> you know, and, I, and it, like, yeah, right. Like, obviously, we definitely never build a brand on. Like, we're not fandom menace. Like, we'll never be that because they're despicable. <laughs> um, you know, but like, I think there's such a value in bringing honest critique to things. And, you know, uh, I, 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 I love that you brought that here, Katie. So thank you. Yeah. Katie, thank, thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Thank you for coming on and, and being willing to be vulnerable Aww. with it, you know, with and, and feeling like, you know, Carl and I were, were safe to do that with. Yeah. So. I cried so much. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for being brave enough to come out and be vulnerable with all of this uh, with us. So that, that was special for, for me. So thank you. Uh, you're very welcome. Thank you guys for having me really. And I do feel safe. Like I can express myself with you guys and you guys don't just automatically shut me down. And that's a very special thing. And I do miss you guys so much. It's it's just been so hard to to put my thoughts together and it took a long time but I finally felt like I was ready to talk about it and I appreciate you guys giving me that time. Thank you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. And the door is always open Aww. if you want to yeah. come back. I was just going to yeah. say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, but Carl, before we, we close down the episode, uh, here's a smash cut. Uh, we had a, a fun, you know, would you rather that we're going to present to everyone here at the end of the show? Yes, indeed. We sure are. So uh, what, what are we asking people? Uh, we want to know, would you rather watch Attack of the Clones with Hayden Christensen or watch The Empire Strikes Back with Mark Hamill? Oh, I don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) I I would not be surprised if all three of us, well, I don't know, Carl, Carl, Carl's tough. Yeah, Carl's the outlier. (laughs) Am I though? Am I though? Look in your hearts, you two. Look in your hearts and see my perm. Um, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, you'll, you'll be, you'll be in that hut with Yoda. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but i'm excited to see what people think i i know where i'm gonna fall on this one uh, and it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who listens um so but uh katie uh did you want to you know if people want to talk to you about anything you should talk sure. about here do you want to remind everybody where you're at Right. Yeah. If anybody wants to talk to me, oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. I'd love to hear people's thoughts. <laughs> you can reach me on Twitter at Dameron. That's me. Yeah. Still, still there. <laughs> at kind thoughts. Thoughtful. Kind thought. Yes. Kind thoughts. Thoughtful thoughts. I won't respond to negative thoughts. I'm just not about that. So, <laughs> yeah. yes. And kind if, thoughts. If we hear anybody going after Katie about anything here, <laughs> You're going to have problems with us. Just saying. Um, <laughs> um, and Carl, if people want to uh, contact us about anything we discussed here or anything else that we've got coming up, where can people do that? Uh, of course, we're on Twitter at Wampas Lair. Uh, also on Instagram at The Wampas Lair. And you can always email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Anything else before we close down this episode? No, sir. Rayla forever. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampas Lair podcast. This has been episode number 444, looking back on the rise of Skywalker. For Carl and Katie, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampas Lair. <laughs>